Well, good morning. If you would, open your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be reading from chapter 5 this morning, beginning in verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15, and would you stand with me as we read from God's Word this morning? Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Have you ever taken a wrong step and you knew it was wrong after you took it? Years ago, my wife and I, we went down to Treasure Island. It's that place right in uh, South Laguna Beach in front of that big hotel, the Montage. And there's this big rock jutting out of the, out of the surf. And there's a bunch of low, I don't know if it's coral-type rocks all over the place. Um, and you can actually walk out there. And, uh, and I had to walk out there. I had just gotten some new water shoes, and I had to go try them out. What better place to do it than there at Treasure Island? So, so my wife's on the beach, and I'm walking out on the rocks. And I'm, These work great, honey. How are you doing? I'm out there in the surf. Everything's going great until all of a sudden the tide rolls in. And all of a sudden I'm surrounded by this foamy water all over the place and I'm thinking, well, I'm okay, I've got these water shoes, I can just trek my way back and uh, I'll be totally fine. So first step on the way back, plunge through this, this jagged hole in the rocks, I fall straight down and it slices the front of my right shin just completely open. There was blood everywhere. It was disgusting. My wife was freaking out and, uh, and I was fine. I was just like, oh, this is so cool. I still have the scar. If anyone wants to see it after the service, I'd be more than happy to show you. But I knew that instant this was a wrong step. I couldn't see where I was going, and I went in. This morning, we're going to talk about that. Taking that wrong step. It, it really, as you go through life, and you make decisions, you look at, there are a lot of big decisions in life, right? Especially if you're in junior high or high school, you have some really big decisions coming up. But really, all throughout life, it's just one hurdle after the next. It's one big decision after the next. And God's word encourages us, walk wisely. Children of light, that's who we are. That's what we've been talking about the last several weeks. Children of light, they need to watch their step. Look again what Paul writes in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. In other words, as you're going through life, live wisely, not foolishly. Life is not supposed to be lived in, in, in a careless fashion, like going through the mall, 
You're walking through the mall. You really don't have anything in particular to buy. No particular place you want to go. You're just kind of wandering. We do this from time to time as a family because we've got to get the kids out of the house. It's like, well, it, it's hot outside. We got, let's go to the mall. What are we going to do at the mall? Well, we don't know. We're going to walk around. And we wander aimlessly. And you know what happens when you wander aimlessly? Often you go into a store that maybe you shouldn't have gone in because there's something there that you didn't need and you end up paying too much for it. Then you should have making a foolish decision sometimes. We shouldn't be wandering aimlessly. Instead, God's word says that we should be wise when it comes to the decisions that we make and the turns that we take. Why should we be wise? Why? Well, Paul has actually told us why. He's told us why um, in what he has said previously. Notice he says, look carefully then. Look carefully then. As if he's saying, based on what I have just told you, well, that's the reason you should now be walking wise. Remember what we read last week. Verse 8, at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And walking as children of the light, that means walking in wisdom. When we were darkness, our lives were recklessly producing all sorts of wickedness. We lived for ourselves. We carried out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were living selfishly. And not only were we in darkness, not only were we following the darkness, but we actually were darkness. We were contributing to darkness. And it wasn't difficult to do, was it? It came really easily for us because our very natures, our fallen natures, they were, they were bent in that direction. So it totally felt natural. I'm just following my heart. I'm just doing what, what pleases me. It was easy to do. But now that we've trusted in Jesus, we've been transformed. No longer in darkness, now we're in the light. We've been brought into the light, now we are children of the light. As we trusted in Jesus, His Holy Spirit has come inside. It's taken residence, it's made its home inside of us, and has performed this transforming work inside. Taken hearts of stone and made them hearts of flesh. And you know, God didn't do this for kicks. It wasn't just because He thought, oh, this will be interesting, let's see what happens if I do this to these people. No, we've been rescued from darkness, brought into this light for a reason. And Jesus didn't pay the ultimate price on the cross so that we could aimlessly wander through life. That's what we were doing before Jesus came. Aimlessly wandering. Kind of like sheep without a shepherd. If you know anything about sheep, you know they're not too bright. In fact, without a shepherd, they might as well be like this guy, walking around with a bucket on your heads. They're not too bright. Sheep are so dumb that they can easily just wander right into the jaws of an animal that just wants to destroy them. Or, or they just wander off a cliff. They're not too bright. But now that you and I have placed our trust in Jesus, we have a shepherd. We have someone directing us saying, come, follow me. He wants to lead us towards green pastures, clear waters. And he wants us to walk in a manner that is consistent 
with this new identity that we have in Him. He's now our shepherd. And as His sheep, we walk differently. When you start a new job, first day, you usually get the training, right? You get everything that you need to start that new job. Your first day at hot dog on the stick, you put the, you put the uniform on, you need to uh, treat, treat customers as a certain way, you need to follow a proper procedure when you dip that dog into that lava hot cauldron of burning oil. Because if you don't, you might lose your hand. It is, it's, it's, there's a particular way that you have to act in that job. And the same is true for Christians. And if Christians are going to walk as their new identity, they're going to represent Christ as children of light, well, they're going to have to be intentional about how they live. Paul calls us to watch our step, to walk wisely. What does it mean to walk wisely? What does it mean to watch our step? The answers are in the words that follow here. First of all, to walk wisely It's to take advantage of the time that we've been given. Notice he writes, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. So we live in a day when a lot of people are just trying to figure out how to pass the time. Kind of like a junior high student on summer break. You remember those days, right? You're sitting in class and you're saying, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Maybe your teacher wrote up on the whiteboard or the chalkboard how many days you have left. And each day you see that thing counting down. You're just like, I can't wait. Summer break. It's, gonna, it's coming. What am I going to do? Oh, it's going to be a great time. I'm going to do this, this, this. But if you're anything like me, when that day actually came, all of a sudden you don't know what to do. You're scratching your head. like, these days are so long. What do I, what do, I do with my time? If you're like me, you ended up just bored. And that's the way that a lot of people go through life. I mean, we're, we're there, we're flipping through channels. We're flipping through magazines. We're flipping through, uh, through catalogs. What do I buy next? What should I look at next? We're searching Instagram. What did this person post? What did that person post? We're checking our email over and over and over. Did I get something? If, if, you're, if you're a surfer, you're looking for that next big wave. If you're a sports guy, you're just waiting for the next game. If you're a baker, you're looking for the next recipe. If you're a candle aficionado, looking for new candle scents? How are you passing the time? Are you, are you just waiting for that next vacation to come up? Are you trying to figure out what to do with your Saturday afternoon? Or what movie should I go see? Christians shouldn't be just passing the time. We shouldn't be wandering aimlessly through life because we've got a calling. We've got a mission. And we have limited time to get it done. What are we supposed to be doing? Well, we're supposed to be representing Christ, right? As these children of light were to be shining, this light that we have, shining light into dark places, we're supposed to be making known the hope that we have in Jesus. We're supposed to be pouring into others that they might grow in their relationship with Christ and worship Him and enjoy Him more fully. We should always be looking for ways that we can best use our time because the time is limited. And if the time is limited, then the opportunity is limited as well, isn't it? Christians need to be people who seize the day. 
who sees the day. Galatians 6.10, Paul writes, So then, as you have opportunity, let us look to do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We need to walk wisely. We need to be watching our step. We need to take advantage of the time that we have been given because the time that we have here, it's limited. And the longer you live, you start, you, you start getting more and more of a sense of those limitations, don't you? When I was in junior high, I had all the time in the world. But now I'm thinking, I don't know how much time I do have. The window of opportunity is beginning to... Well, it's limited. It's going to close. What am I going to do with the time that I've been, I've been given? We need to take advantage of the time because our time is limited, but we also need to take advantage of the time because Paul says the days are evil. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because those days, the days are evil. Everywhere you turn, you see more corruption. You see darker shades of people than you ever thought possible. We're continually inventing more innovative ways to disobey God. More than that, the fog is continuing to get more dense, clouding our world's ability to recognize truth. What is truth anymore? We're not even sure. Now, some people would say the world is, is getting better. They're hoping that people are getting nicer. The hope, they're hoping that technology is going to solve a lot of problems. And one day we're going to have peace and we're going to have happiness. But I feel like asking those people, are you watching the news? Are you seeing the same thing that I'm seeing? Do you know the, the stats on violent crime? According to the FBI's Uniform Crime Reporting Program in 2016, this is the latest information I could get, an estimated 1,248,185 violent crimes occurred nationwide. That's in 2016. An increase of 4.1% from the 2015 estimate. I thought this was supposed to be going down. And when we talk about violent crimes, we're talking about, it says violent crimes include rape, sexual battery other than rape, physical attack or fight with or without a weapon, threat of physical attack with or without a weapon, robbery with or without a weapon. These are horrible things. The Bible says, pay attention to what you are doing. These are dark and dangerous times. There's a lot of evil out there. And along with that evil comes a lot of opportunity for Christians who are wandering aimlessly through life to fall into temptation. For us to get involved in it ourselves. But even more than that, there are a lot of people out there who are living in darkness and the clock is ticking for them to be brought into the light. So we need to make the most of our time. The days are evil. I have a friend who was a Navy SEAL for years. And he was a, a sniper, did some uh, really uh, uh, incredible things all around the world. And he was telling me, I, I, I'm always interested to, to know the mind of soldiers and especially Navy SEALs, they're the, they're the specialists. And 
was asking him, you know, how do you feel? You're, you're on the plane or you're on the helicopter with your team. You're all suited up. You're ready to go. You know you're going to be dropped in soon. What's the mood like in that, cockpit, in that, uh, in that plane or in that craft? What, what are you guys thinking? What are you guys talking about? I watched a movie just recently, and the guys were kind of joking and messing around. I'm like, really? Is that the way that it works? And he said, yeah. And we're in the plane, and it's, the conversation is light. I mean, we're talking about our families. We're talking, you know, someone's cracking jokes. And, and it, you know, it, and it's no big deal. We're on the plane, and it's light until that green light. Until it's time for all of a sudden, we're going to be jumping out. And we're going to be going behind enemy lines. And we're going to carry out that mission. And then everything changes. There's an element of danger there that changes how the team behaves, changes the way that they think, changes the way that they talk. All of a sudden, everything is calculated, well thought out. All thoughts are centered on the mission. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to get across to Christians here. He's saying, it is go time, people. The danger is real. The clock is ticking. The time for action has arrived. So walk wisely. Jonathan Edwards, the great American philosopher and theologian who really had an incredible part in the Great Awakening, he wrote some resolutions when he was almost 20. I think he was 19 when he wrote these. And one of his resolutions was this, resolved never to lose one moment of time, but to improve it in the most profitable way I possibly can. We too need to resolve to take advantage of the time that we've been given. That's one of the ways that we walk wisely. But along with that comes a need to understand God's will. Verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now you might be saying, well, how am I supposed to do that? I'm not a mind reader. How do I know what God's will is and what God wants for my life? Well, the simple answer is you, you need to look here. You need to look in this book. But you know, too often I think that we're trying to tap into some type of secret knowledge that God has for all the details in our life. It's like we're trying to crack some type of God code so that we might be able to figure out exactly what I'm supposed to do at any given point in my life. Who's God, who does God want me to marry? What job does he want me to have? What major should I have in school? Or how should I spend my money? Or who am I going to give this incredible fortune that I've amassed for myself? Who am I going to pass that on to someday? Some of us are just wondering, you know, I just want to know how to, where to go for lunch today. But the reality is, God doesn't so much give us the, the details of, of every single decision that we need to be making in life. Instead, he's told us how to live our lives. However, we're uniquely gifted and skilled in whatever circumstances we are in, to live in a way that honors him and is best for us. God's will really isn't a mystery. Jesus summed it up in Matthew 22. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So want to know God's will? Well, love him with everything that you've got. Make that your mission in life. What does it mean to love God? Well, Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. God's will for us is that we obey him, that we love him, that every facet of our lives is all about him. And then also love your neighbor as yourself. It's giving up our wants and our desires to do what's best for others. So children of light, they need to watch their step. They're to walk wisely, and they do that by taking advantage of the time that they have been given and understanding what God's will. We watch our steps by, with timely, intentional action based on a knowledge of God's truth. But just as important as it is for us to resolve, we've all made resolutions before, right? And I know for a fact that Jonathan Edwards, in that resolution, that he broke it time and time again. It's one thing to resolve to walk in a certain way. But just as important as that is who or what influences us. If we're to walk as children of light, if we're going to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called, it's crucial. It's absolutely crucial that the spirit that is now living inside of us, that's the one who's in control of us. In verses 18 to 21, Paul's going to make it vividly clear that who you are influenced by, that has a direct correlation to how you end up living. Check out verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He begins by giving us a negative example here. Being under the influence of alcohol. We're all very familiar with that. Paul says, don't be drunk. Don't drink to the point where that alcohol that is now inside of you, that is the thing that is influencing you. The Greek god Dionysus, he was actually worshipped by his worshippers drinking alcohol. And it made sense, right? The god of wine, his worshippers, of course, they're going to worship him by toasting uh, to the god of wine. And it was thought that the path to spiritual inspiration, to spiritual enlightenment, if Dionysus was the one that you worshipped, well, that was through intoxication you were enlightened as you drank more and more and more and you became more inspired but the reality is alcohol and the more you drink of it the less inspired you become the less control you have the more clouded your judgment is and the more likely you are to do something that you otherwise wouldn't do paul says to be drunk with wine, that's debauchery, he said. It's, it's to be mindlessly given 
to all sorts of things that you wouldn't otherwise do, things that you shouldn't be involved in. It's a senseless waste. It's, it's giving into the, the passions and desires within me that I know I really shouldn't give into because those things are going to end up destroying me. But because my judgment is clouded, my inhibitions are, are put to the side, I'm going to give into those now. Being under the influence of alcohol, that is, that is not the path to walking wisely as children of light. Now we've got to point out here, we've got to clarify that Paul isn't saying here that, that any alcoholic beverage or drinking any alcohol at all, he's not saying here that that is necessarily wrong. But he's talking very specifically here that overindulging to the point of being drunk, to actually being under the influence to the point of stumbling around, not being able to control your own thoughts, actions, or even emotions. This is something you don't want to do. This is something that is not in line with how you are called to live as a Christian. And this is, it's, exactly the, it, it's exactly what he's been talking about here. Being drunk is the opposite of what it means to watch your step. The opposite of making the best use of your time. And God doesn't want us to go through life not being in control of our minds and actions. He wants us to live with purpose in every step. Just like Paul said in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. The stakes are a lot higher here. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. He says, I don't want to go around walking, wandering around aimlessly. If I'm going to run this race, I want to run to win. I want to train. I want to put my body under submission and walk with purpose in every step, my eyes fixed on the goal. I want to walk wisely. That's what he's saying. Instead of stumbling around like an intoxicated person, he says we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit, that Spirit that is living inside of us. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, he shows us. He gives us a list of four things that help us understand exactly what that means. Verse 18, the end of verse 18. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence, for Christ. So being filled with the Spirit, what does that look like? Well, it looks like speaking to one another in these psalms, these hymns and spiritual songs. In other words, he's reminding us to remind each other, be constantly reminding each other of God's goodness, pointing each other to God's truth and God's provision, the joy and satisfaction that can only be found in Him. That's what being filled with the Spirit looks like. It just comes boiling over. It's overflowing in your life. So you see another brother or sister in Christ, and you just 
there's someone to encourage. There's someone to, 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 to remind how great and awesome and good our God is. Being under the Spirit's influence, it also looks like singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. In other words, praising God for how good He is, how wonderful He is. Be overflowing with joy to God. That's a sign that you're under the influence of the Spirit. It also means giving thanks always for everything to God. And so you have a keen sense that every good thing in your life, you know exactly where that's from. And you constantly, continually are drawn to thank God for His goodness in your life, how good that He's been to you. And it includes everything. You start making a habit of this, and all of a sudden you start realizing I have, I have this to be thankful for and that to be thankful for. I'm thankful for gravity. I'm thankful for the air I breathe. I'm thankful for that sunset. I'm thankful for these brothers and sisters here. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful. You just keep going and going and you can't stop because it never ends. God's goodness never ends. Being under the influence of the Spirit, and she just burst forth in thanksgiving. And finally, it means submitting to one another. We as Americans, we don't like this idea of submitting very much. And we've got to talk about this a little bit more next week. It's going to be good. Because submission for us is good. It's what the Spirit of, of God leads us to do. And we're called here. Let's, let's mark this. We are all called to submit. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, we're to do nothing out of selfish, selfish ambition but we should be humble and consider others as more significant than ourselves. We shouldn't just look to our own interests, but also to the interests of others, like Paul says in Philippians 2. You know, it's interesting to notice here, if you, if you, to contrast being under the influence of alcohol and being under the influence of the Spirit, you really start to see that they have completely opposite effects. Rather than losing control, if you're under the control of spirit, rather than losing control, you get more control. You're more in control. You're more cognizant of what's going on around you. You're, you're more mission-minded. Rather than walking aimlessly, it leads us to walk with precision. Rather than producing selfishness in ourselves, it produces just the spirit of selflessness. How can I give of myself today? Rather than bring shame, and it does bring shame. Being influenced by the Spirit brings honor. Rather than bringing harm to others, it brings blessing. Rather than leading us to wallow in discouragement, it leads us to praise the Almighty Creator of all things. It's good. Walking as children of light, it means walking wisely. As children of light, we need to watch each step. We need to take advantage of the time that we've been given with a clear understanding of what God's will is and walk with purpose in line with God's will. I'm living today for the glory of God and for the good of His people. That's what I'm all about. And we need to make sure that we are living under the influence of the Spirit. The Spirit of the One who has saved us. This is how we walk worthy of the calling to which we have been called. This is how we walk as children of light. So let's be watching our step.
Let's be people who take advantage of every moment that we've been given and seek to live a life that pleases God. Let's be filled with the Spirit as we remind each other of the joys that we have in God, as we praise Him for all that He has done, and as we serve each other as Christ has served us. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank You for Your Word. I know that people on the outside, they look at us and they see us reading commands like this and they say, oh, you're so in bondage. And yet, Lord, we read it and we see freedom and we see joy and we see the path to fulfillment and satisfaction, something that is good for us, something that by following, by living wisely, Lord, that brings us even greater joy than we had ever imagined. We thank you for these words of Paul's. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to walk wisely, that you would help us to be mindful that we're not here forever. The time is limited, and the situation, it's desperate. People need your truth. Help us to walk wisely, Lord. Help us not to be influenced by anything but your Spirit, to be constantly in your Word and have others be pouring into us and to be in prayer, pleading with you, Lord, to fill us and change our hearts, give us God motivations, and lead us to exemplify Christ-like love in our lives, a love for each other that, that is just giving that pours into one another, that's for the good of each other. And Lord, would you, would everything that we do, would everything that we do, Lord, make you happy, glorify you, honor you, praise you. You have given us everything, God. We want to give you ourselves. We love you. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.